Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. I am so excited for y'all to join me today. I have a good friend of mine with us here on the podcast. Natalia Drum is a a podcaster herself, as well as a author and a writer. And really truthfully, I think the heart of you that I love so much is that you desire to invest in women, Natalia, and you desire to um, disciple and encourage and walk with women as they walk, learn to walk with Jesus. And the purpose. Well, thank you so of, much for having me. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. The purpose of our conversation today, really, for those listening, is to begin to say, how do we begin to be in the Word in a way that's meaningful in our lives? Oh, and yes. I know that this, for some women, you listen, you go, oh well, I know how to, I know how to study the Bible. Um. And that I also think that there are women who are like, I don't know that I know how to, to just read and interact with the word of God, the Bible. I don't, I don't know that I know how to do that. And on the podcast over the last few weeks, we've been talking about just the basics of the gospel, the basics of understanding our walk with Jesus. And it is natural that we need to go over the basics of how do we spend time with Jesus. And so that's why I'm so glad that you're here today. (laughs) I'm so excited to be able to do this with you. And I'm so excited to serve your audience this way, because I do think that there is such a stigma on studying scripture that you have to be a theologian or you have to Mm -hmm. have a degree, or you have to be somebody who has published a book or has some credibility behind you. And really there are just some basics to Bible study that we learn in seminary that make things so much easier. And I think that's one of the greatest things that I've seen over the last several years as I've been on this journey to know God more and to serve his people is that we can filter out these really big things and apply them in our everyday lives in very basic, meaningful, life-changing, transforming ways. Um, And so that's what I love to do. And that's what Girlfriends in the Word is about. And I'm so excited to share that with y'all today. Well, when you were beginning to um, learn how to be in the Word, when you were beginning your time with the Lord, I want to hear from you, like, how did you wrestle that out? How did you begin to spend time in the Bible? Okay. Well, I've always grown up in the church and I think I had a good knowledge of theology. I I came from a very solid Bible believing church and I had a really good understanding of memorizing scripture and just reading scripture, but I didn't really know anything beyond just open your Bible and read something. And so as I got older, it just became something that was like, okay, I read it, but how does this connect to my life today? Thousands of years later, Mm -hmm. how is this meaningful? How is this alive and active? And so I would just get very um, disenchanted with the scriptures and just just disillusioned about how it was going to affect my life as I was mothering little people and dealing with marriage problems and business things. And so 
I kind of closed the book and was like, this isn't helping. Why am I wasting time here? And then it was as I got into church and into community, which I think is such an important thing in our Bible study journey that we have accountability and we have community to walk this process out with one another. We began to do Bible studies together. And so that really looked like, um, you know, back in the day, it was a Beth Moore one hour <laughs> DVD session yeah. with a group of girls in a, in a room with coffee or, you know, brunch mm-hmm. or whatever. And then we would go home. And I think in those years, I learned there is more than meets the eye to Bible study. It's more than just reading a passage. So there was a depth and a richness of it. And then it just became a situation as my kids got into toddlerhood and I was shuffling kids to school that I just couldn't sit down for an hour and I couldn't do the homework or if perhaps the facilitator of the group or the Bible study leader picked a topic I had already done a study on, I wasn't getting engaged. And then I began to realize like this walk has to shift into a place of like independence in God's word. And how does that look? And so I really believe as much as Bible study books are great and and like, hear me, I write Bible study books. So like, I get that this (laughs) is like contrary to what I want as a marketer, but I really believe every woman can do the same things that I do at a, you know, at whatever level she's at in her spiritual journey, because there are just four basic principles to Bible study that once we learn the basics of, they change everything. And so when I went into seminary, um, really with just a hunger to be like, if I'm going to teach God's word, I need to do that. Well, um, not because there's really anything super special about me or going to seminary. It just was a conviction that I needed to do this with the utmost integrity possible. Um, I learned in hermeneutics class, like, oh my gosh, these people that are writing these books and doing these things, they're all doing the same formula. They're all doing the same thing. They're all just learning how to look at the text. And then once we teach that to everybody, everybody just learns how to look at the text and it just changes everything. So Mm. it's kind of a little bit of my journey. I think I love what you, you said, because I also kind of um, cut my adult mama, my adult teeth on Bible studies in community. And there's nothing, this isn't a a bash on that or anything. In fact, I think in some senses now we're hearing people go, oh, those are not great. And I actually, just like you, I, that was where I first began to go, wait a minute. The Bible is more than me just going on a Sunday morning and hearing a sermon like I can interact with it every day. I can interact with the same passage every day for days and get more depth out of it. And I think I did learn a lot in those spaces. But again, I think just like you, my life got, I mean, just the busyness of being with kids. I didn't have where where we were Tuesday mornings was the, the day <laughs> Bible study with women. And um. And I mean, I didn't have it and I was working on Tuesday mornings. And so I had to figure out what, how do I do this for myself? And, um, and that was a struggle. It's been a, you know, it there, and there have been some seasons where I've also felt like, I don't, I don't know even what to read or where to start. Um, but I can't wait to, I want to hear from you exactly what your steps are and what a woman needs to do. I'm interested to hear and see if it's kind of what I've kind of settled into, but um, yeah. So tell me that first. And then I have another question. Okay. 
So regardless of whatever text you study, the most important thing we can do is understand that the text was written to a specific audience by a specific author. And yes, God wrote all of it through his individual writers, but we have to understand that we read scripture differently depending on what we read. Not that the scripture changes, but the genre changes. So we read the law differently than we read the poetry. We read the gospels differently than we read the letters. So just having a basic understanding that you're going to read scripture differently helps you come to the text and be like, oh, okay. I personally don't love poetry. It was one of those English things that I just never picked up in English <laughs> classes as an English major. I didn't love it, but the history and the narrative and the law, I'm all day, all I've got all of that. But so we have to be honest about like what the text is and how we are as readers. And then when we come to the text, regardless of whether we're reading like the stories in first and second Kings, or we're reading the gospels where Jesus is doing miracles, there are four basic things that we do. And this is where people get tripped up because honestly, if we're honest, we want to read a text quickly and then we want to immediately go to interpreting and say, this is what it means. Mm -hmm. And then we walk away. And that's where we get into like really big theological problems because that's kind of messing up the system. And so when we come to a text, regardless of the passage, the first thing we do is we observe. And so this is the thing that I think almost gets a little frustrating. Because when I sit down with the text, I'm just looking at everything. And I had a professor say, this is where you should spend a good Bible student will spend like 80 to 90% of their time. And they just observe the text. They look at the characters. They look at the conflict. They look at the, the words that are being said. They look at the verbs. They look at the nouns. And it's this parsing out of the words and saying, what is happening? Who is involved? What is God doing? you know, all these mm -hmm. kinds of things. And so they just sit and they look at the text and you could do this for days. I remember uh, a project where we had to observe and we had to like write uh, like 75 observations on a verse. And it was like, you did it in sections of 25 every week. And you're like, surely there's not more to look at. And then every week you would find more that was different than your original project. So there's always something to just mm -hmm. look at in the text. And so- yeah. This is where I would say, sit with a text and just read it and read it and read it and look at all the things. And then the next thing that I do um, is I investigate. And this is where you question, like, where was this place geographically? What's happening politically? What time period is this in? Who is this person related to? Um, do I see this pattern? Is God doing something that he's done before? And so you begin to ask questions in the text. And this is where I think people get nervous because they want a checklist of questions. And I'm like, mm -hmm. God is big enough for our questions and his text is big enough for our questions. And often what happens is a question we have in one chapter will be answered in another chapter of the text. We just have to keep going. And so this is where I sit with the text and I ask questions and I say, what's going on? Why was this happening? Uh, I was just recently doing a podcast about Elijah and the widow and he you know he's sent from one place to another and he supports this widow and he does this miracle and God provides food but as you look through the text you begin to realize all these tiny details and you don't do that if you go through it really quickly just looking for the for the interpretation that yeah. happens by sitting with the text and observing it and asking you know why did he move from one place to another what was the condition that caused him to leave uh, why was this woman in distress? All those kinds of things. What was the geography of the, of the text and things that we just, we assume we don't need. And they're all really relevant details to the text. 
And so when we've done that, which takes like 95% of the time, getting to the place where we can interpret the text and, and ask ourselves, what was God saying to the original audience through the original author? You know, what is God's intention with this text to teach me about who he is as a God and how he works and what he wants from his people? And we make the text about God, not about ourselves. Right. That interpretation part becomes really easy because that's about God. You know, so like I look at the text of Elijah and the widow and I say, God's our provider. God works in unexpected ways. God uses unexpected people. God moves us into unexpected places and God is working in the midst of those. And so the text is always about God. And when we get to that interpretation piece, that's super easy because we're looking at how did God move? How did God work? And we've spent so much time studying those little details that we think usually aren't important that the interpretation becomes really easy in that sense. And then the last thing that we do is we say, okay, now that I've looked and I've questioned and I've asked, what does this tell me about God? Now I apply. And I say, now that I know that God is my provider, for example, in this text, and that God moves in unexpected ways or unexpected places, well, how do I apply that to my life? Well, I apply that to my life by saying, I need to, I must, I should, and then we put in a God statement. I need to bring my needs before God. I need to look for ways that God is providing in my life. I need to trust that even in the unexpected places, God is moving, God is using. I need to be open to God using me as a blessing for somebody else. I need to see my circumstances in light of what God is doing and not just what I see. And so that becomes those I statements of what I can do because of what I've learned about who God is in the text. And so when we learn those four steps, it changes everything. And so we can take any, any chapter, any text and say, okay, who is God? And because of who God is, what do I do? Mm. Does that kind of, that kind Mm -hmm. of help? That's kind of my process um, for doing, doing Bible study. And that's what I teach my girls. We have this like chart in my living room where I have this huge sticky note. And I'm like, these are the steps we're going to walk through as we walk through this text. And then it becomes, well, what is the text saying to me as opposed to what has often happened in group Bible studies is, oh, well, I read this, or I see this, or I um, I believe God is saying this. And we each try to have these different perspectives on what the text says, because what we're trying to do is just take our observations and immediately stick them into the interpretation. And that's, that's not how the process works. Yeah. And I, I love what, I love the emphasis that you place which I've had to learn because I love that you place emphasis on it is God centered. It is yes. God oriented. It is not me centered, me oriented because I come from my, I don't, my, my viewpoint is always, or a lot of times, especially many years ago was, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, how how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to change? How am I supposed to line up with? And so I would read scripture from a, and that's still me centered. So it's either me centered if well, what's the promise for me, or what am I supposed to do? Are me centered statements? And it took me a long time to really learn. Wait a minute, this is so is God centered, and when I start with the center being him, mm-hmm. then the outflow, which is what you set up is, is radically different. 
Um, but it's not easy because it I think not. we we want to. I mean, I know that for me, I'm motivated by God. I just want to, I just want to be who you want me to be. I just want to do what you want me to do. I just want to follow you. And so my natural tendency is to um, do that. I do think though, that he's very patient with me because um, I mean, I can testify that he kept me in Isaiah 55 for like months, a few years ago, about five years ago. And to the point that I was like, you cannot still, it was like, every time I would try and go read something else, it would route me back to, <laughs> to Isaiah 55. And it was like, the Lord was like, no, you just hang here. Just know me here. Know me, not change yourself, but know me. Um, I love that he kept you there because I just did a blog post at the beginning of the year about how like not to read the Bible in a whole year, um, which is kind of tricky because I, I have read the Bible in a whole year. I love those plans. I have walked my girls through those plans. Um, I've made those plans. I have those plans. I love them. But at the same time, I think it can very much be um, a detriment if we're not willing to sit with the text. And mm -hmm. so um, sometimes those, you know, plans where you're in the Bible every day in a different text, while they're great to get an entire picture of scripture and to do at least once um, before you sit in text for a long time, if it's just something to check off of a list and mm -hmm. we're not allowing ourselves to soak in God's word, it, it changes um, our reading of scripture because we're just, okay, I got to get through this. I got to read through this. Um, to do something to please God. And that's not, that's not what he's looking for. You know, um, yes, he is pleased when we read his word, but we could be in the same passage for months sitting in it and trying to figure out, you know, what he's trying to teach us through it and who he is in it, or we could sit in it for a few days. And so I think giving ourselves the space to say, um, I'm going to be in God's word. I'm going to have a system. And I, I do believe systems are important. I believe you don't want to just open your Bible and pick a passage and, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of hop around, start in a book, start with a character study, work through a systematic process for sure. Um, but give yourself the space to sit in the text and to say, you know, some days my life is crazy and I have two seconds to be in God's word. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to read the verse that I've been studying and I'm just going to keep repeating it all day and let my mind simmer on that and let my soul absorb that. And then some days I'm going to sit down with a journal and I'm going to like write down everything that I observe. And then I'm going to come back the next day and say, do I see anything else? And then, you know, maybe another day you come back and you say, okay, God, I'm looking just for what you're doing. And, you know, and so mm -hmm. kind of coming at it from different angles in the same text gives it a richness that I think sometimes we just want to quickly gloss over and move over real quickly. Well, and I think that, you know, in Psalms, the psalmist prayed over and over again in Psalm 119, just help me to love your word. Help me mm -hmm. to, to just love it. And I know that for my life, learning to love God's word has been a journey. Like I didn't, um, there's been many seasons where the word was absolutely like, it was all I wanted to do was sit with Jesus in the Bible. And then there have been many seasons of, Oh, I guess I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to read my Bible today because I know it will help in some way, but I don't know if it helped yesterday, but I'll try it again today. I mean, that's just me being genuinely yeah. honest. 
Me too. But beginning to consistently say, God, I just, I just choose it has been a gift that God has given me um, of saying, I'm going to, I'm going to choose your word. And I don't, I would have to say that I've had to, for years, pray, God, help me choose your word because it's not natural for me to choose the Bible. Um, Even personality wise, I don't like to sit down for long and I don't like to just think deeply. I mean, my husband and I joke, I mean, I just, I, in my nature, don't think deeply. And so to sit inside of a passage and be like, what is this saying? And really observe it Mm -hmm. is, you know, I'm like, in some days, I think it's a super important thing that within the faith community, we talk about that struggle of there is a delight that happens when we discipline ourselves in something, Mm -hmm. but it is discipline. And so it is a choice. It is constantly the putting aside of our flesh and saying, okay, I'm going to choose the spiritual over the physical. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's this, there's this perhaps notion that a good Christian mother, a good Christian woman loves being in God's word. Um, And that's not necessarily true. We do learn to love God's word, but we do have to learn to discipline ourselves to be in God's word. And this is something that even I, um, you know, as a seminary student, as a Bible teacher, I have struggled with, and I, I have accountability in, and I, and this is where I think that community matters so much, because if I know I have to share with people, then I know I have to have been in it because I can't share what I don't have. And so, um, you know, and that's a double-edged sword because it can even become a place where we use God's word as, as, uh, something to create out of instead of something Mm -hmm. to just allow to be in our souls. And so, you know, even just as podcasters and bloggers and all those things, we can come to the text and be like, okay, what can I give to share with somebody else today? As opposed to like, what can I get to put in my soul because God is righteous and God is holy and God is faithful and I need him. And then allow that to be what comes out of my life. And so, um, yeah, there is a discipline that it, it takes that takes time. And so I think even for new believers or people who are um, shifting seasons or, or moms who are like, okay, I just now have time. Your five minutes in God's word may look very different than somebody who's spending hours a week in it. Give yourself the time to grow. All of our growth journeys start somewhere and they take different periods of time. And so never look at another girl and be like, Oh my gosh, she knows so much about this. I'll never get there. So I should just not do it. Everybody starts somewhere. And if we do five minutes a day, just this year, at the end of this year, that's going to be so much more. I was teaching my son about compound interest. He's 15. He just started his own little business. And his dad was talking to him about like retirement accounts and college funds, all these kinds of things. And our financial planner was like, you know, if you put a little bit away now, by the time you're 65 in 50 years, that compound interest, even if you don't add to it for a while, that compound interest is exponential. And so being in God's word is like investing in our souls in compound interest. We put pennies in it's what it feels like. Some Mm -hmm. days it feels like being in God's word for five minutes is just depositing a penny. And we're like, I throw away pennies. What good is a penny? But over the course of our lifetime, those things invested in the kingdom, right? Because they're spiritual investments that don't spoil. They don't get corrupted. They don't get stolen. They have a compound interest in our lives that is exponential. And then we find 
we're in a situation years later and that verse comes back to our remembrance because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're like, oh yeah, that penny turned into something that when I withdrew, it was like a million dollars. And so that's what I try to explain to women as we get in God's word, it gets into us. And that's the beauty of this process is that when God gets into us and when his spirit gets deep into us and when his word settles and simmers in our soul and takes root, we will see the fruit. It just takes time. And we we're a quick society. Mm -hmm. I want my coffee ready immediately, (laughs) right? Like I don't want to wait five minutes in the Chick-fil-A line. I want it in 90 seconds. And so, um, God's word sometimes is very quick. You know, we see something happen incredibly quick, but a lot of the times it really is just a compound interest situation, investing pennies so that we know one day when we take the withdrawal, it will be worth it. That's powerful. That really is because I just, that's, that's been my journey. I mean, and it, it encourages me today because again, I also think that, so I've been, following Jesus and reading the word a long, long time. And I know like I have pulled out million dollar withdrawals from things that I put in long, long ago. And I can totally testify that that's true. And yet, and yet I also will hear the whispers of the enemy and of doubt and of discouragement that say, this is just, I mean, what is this doing for me? Nothing, you know, I can still hear it. And there are days where it's, you know, you're like, well, I don't know, but I guess I'm just going to keep reading it. Um, I have been working through the book of Mark and um, on my own. It's a book that I've not like, I don't know why I chose Mark. I'll be honest, you know, like I've read Mark before and read the Bible through and those kinds of things. But it's like, I was like, we're going to study Mark. I'm like, okay. And, um, it's been amazing, but I've been going so slow through it (laughs) that there are parts of my personality that go, we're so slow. Why are we still in Mark 12? (laughs) And yet the richness of it and the way that God has used it and shown me in all the gospels, because really that was the journey, I think for me with the Lord in this last couple months is look at how it all links together, Bethany, and really see my ministry on earth through this lens, this viewpoint um, I've loved. But I think for the woman who goes, well, it's hard or I'm right now I'm in a bad place. I just, I do want to say, I, I too get to those places and go, it's still hard. And it's still, I don't know if today I'm going to just jump off the couch after reading Mark 12, 14 or something and go, I can just conquer the world. There are days where I don't feel that way. Correct. Correct. And I think we, we can swing to two ways on all this, but like, it is hard. It is hard. And I think we don't give enough space to the hardness of it. And so to just Mm -hmm. say it's hard, but I can do hard things mm-hmm. because those hard things are holy things. And so I'm, yeah. I'm not called to easy. And I think that is also a misconception in the, in the church, especially mm-hmm. the American Western church, that this should just come easy to me because yeah. I'm a Christian. I'm blessed by God and I'm yeah. highly favored. And all those things are true. God does love me. He wants me to be in his word. But when we get into God's word, the enemy very much does not want us to be there. And so 
he knows the power of God's word. He knows it's going to transform us. He knows it will radically change our lives, our marriages, our finances and families. So he doesn't want us in it. And so every discouragement, the baby will wake up early when you try to get up early to read your Bible. Um, The husband will need your attention. If you try to do it at night, you're going to sit down for five minutes and a child's going to spill their cereal or their TV won't work when you put them in front. Like everything will go wrong. It will. And if we, if we get surprised that it's hard, we quit. And we're like, oh, this isn't worth it. Surely I shouldn't do this. But if we know it's going to be hard, then we just say, okay, I'm prepared for the battle. I'm going to go to battle. I'm going to fight against these obstacles because I know the reward is worth the work. And so that is the one thing that I would say, the reward is worth the work. You just may not see the reward today. And yeah. that's okay. Um, but I promise, I promise he's faithful and his word is faithful. And we can't know that God is faithful if we don't know his word. If we don't have the history of the stories to tell us time and time again, yeah, the circumstances are different. And yeah, he never really does things the same way twice, but he does something. Then we don't have eyes to see what he's doing for us today. And we begin to believe the lie that, oh, he's not faithful. He's not working. He's forgotten me. He's abandoned me. Um, this isn't worth it. And that's just not true. No, that's true. And I think it's important. You said it earlier, and I know that you live this out. You do this in community. Yes. I know you have women in your home weekly. What would you you say to the woman who's listening today? And maybe, I don't know, maybe she was like me and Tuesday morning Bible studies didn't work for her. Um, But what would you say about community and being in the word? Oh, it matters. It matters so much. Um, Even when we study God's word, we learn that people are not living out faith in isolation. That that's never been the, uh, the MO of God is to call somebody to do this in isolation. Even Jesus, right. who is God, comes to earth and he lives out the gospel in community. In and community. so, yeah. um, you know, I would say it does not have to look like a, <laughs> to put it kind of quaintly, uh, a church sponsored, evangelical right. looking, focused women's Bible study group. If Tuesday doesn't work for you, pick a Thursday. If 15 people don't work for you, pick two. Um, If two don't work for you, pick one. Find somebody and say, hey, listen, I'm on this journey. I need accountability. I need community. I need somebody. And this is where I think this becomes hard. Community brings us up against somebody and it takes our rough edges and it makes us have to sharpen each other out. And so the problem with that is that when we begin to sharpen each other, sparks fly. And we get, we get ruffled by this because we're like, Mm -hmm. oh, wait, we don't want conflict. We don't want problems. This must not be Christian. But without those sparks on that iron sharpening iron, you don't get that, that chiseled point. And so um, it just becomes dull. And that's what the devil wants because dull Christians work for him. You know, they're not a threat to him. Right. Sharp Christians terrify him. Yeah. And so many sharp Christians terrify him. And so when we get together in community, what we end up doing is, you know, we call it the church sanctification. We see our sin and we see like, oh gosh, I didn't respond well to that. Or, oh my goodness, I hurt her in that. Or um, I put my foot in my mouth in that and I need to confess. And so that walks out the process of our salvation. That is our sanctification process. And so when we do that, we 
we live the gospel. And so I think the church has gotten away from that. And it's why the world is like, ah, the church isn't really worth it because we don't look any different. We don't live any different. We're not, we're not working out these principles of sanctification that God has called us to in his word because we don't know his word and we're not doing it together. And so, um, I, I will say all day long. Yes. And we need times and don't get me wrong. We need times where we're alone with God and we have solitude and we rest and we pray and we reflect, Mm -hmm. but throughout scripture, you're going to be hard pressed to find a place where, where the men and women of God grow in isolation, they grow in community. And so, Mm -hmm. um, that, that is essential to the disciplines of life in, in the Christian faith. Yeah, it is. It really is. Well, what, tell me, tell everybody who's listening where they can find you. I know girlfriends in the word is your podcast. It tell is, us a little bit is. about that because it's very so, good. I enjoy listening to it. Every Wednesday, a new episode drops. It is a weekly podcast, Girlfriends in the Word. And sometimes we go through an entire book of scripture. Last year, we went through the book of Genesis um, and different epistles. Sometimes they're conversations with Christian women. Um, Right now, we're in a series on faithfulness for the new He is Faithful devotional book that just came out at Christmas. There is a free PDF copy you can get from that, which um, you can get at www.nataliadrum.com. Um, as well as a printed copy in my Etsy shop. And so um, my favorite place to hang out is Instagram. That's kind of my social media platform where I do stories or reels or, you know, just posts to encourage you because I believe that we have a really big mission to move the gospel forward and we can encourage women and equip women to do this well. And so that is my heart for you. Well, you do it well. And so I do want to encourage everyone that they should come and find your podcast. They should listen you. to you. I enjoy, I love, and I learned so much from you. I think you are gifted in making um, the word like where we can begin to chew on it and take bite-sized pieces of it. So I think you do that very, 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 very well. Thank um, you. And I know you you did mention just briefly, but your new book or your new study, he is faithful. Yes, there is a free PDF of that. So there's an interactive PDF that you can download. Um, and we'll then put that in our show notes. I think that would be, good yes. For everyone. And then there's a printed copy. So I do both, okay. both versions. First time I've done both and seeing how that works out. Usually everything has always been printed, um, but we're trying the digital realm. And so I've, I've heard some pretty good things about that. Well, I think we'll keep moving that forward. And that's 31 days where we walk through the faithfulness of God. And so it is a devotional format meant to be done in five, 10 minutes a day, but you, you start with a scripture and we break apart the scripture. And then I give you questions to ask a prayer to pray just to kind of give you a place to jumpstart and see, because this is a message I think is so important. God is a faithful God. And that mm-hmm. is a big thing about his character that I think we brush past in our culture. And so just learning that changes everything because then as we experience the things of life, we don't panic because we're like, okay, this is bad, but I know God is faithful and he's going to do something. I just need to give him the space and the place to do it. Yes. Now, if you had someone who was coming and you know, you, you gave us this beautiful um, statement about the four steps of studying scripture. But I also know you have a tool or something for that. I do. I do. So if you go on my website, there's a resource page and there's a whole bunch of different resources for different topics, but one of them is called the Bible study basics. And so that's a PDF download that you can download on your tablet. You can print out, keep it with your Bible. 
Um, and I walk through what basically I learned in seminary. Um, and instead of having to take an entire seminary course on it, I kind of go through the weeds of everything and give you just a journal template on how to do these four steps when you sit down with your Bible, different prompt questions to ask maybe for your questions or what to look for as you observe the text. And then those God statements and I statements. So it just kind of gives you a, a basic formula, if you will, for how to jumpstart your Bible study time. And so that is free to download and to use and to enjoy so that your Bible study time can be efficient and effective, right? Like I don't have time to waste in my busy day. And so if I'm going to come to God's word, I want it to be quality time. And so I think that helps us just kind of give it a quality perspective. I love it. Thank you for joining us today. You are such an encouragement to me. I Thank really you for having me. I really appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate the way you speak wisely because Natalia, I think that just like you say, when we begin to learn and understand how important God's word will actually be for us, not just for today, but in days, months, and years to come, um, it will motivate us all the more to seek him. Um, you can connect with Natalia. All of the stuff is going to be, is in the show notes at the bottom. And I encourage you to find her podcast and listen and learn from her. And as always, it's been a pleasure and I appreciate y'all being here. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.